FASWA is a podcast about Bigfoot. It's recorded for the skeptics, the believers, the knowers, and those who just have a casual interest in the subject. For more information, visit saswhat.com. All right. Um, I guess we'll just do uh, talk. We'll just talk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we can do that. Um, yeah, and we'll just go ahead and start the show now. So so for those uh, listening, this is Sasswet, a show about foot. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Brelove. I'm joined tonight by my oldest and dearest Bigfoot friend. Wow. Mark Matsky. That's pretty cool. Greetings. Yeah, I didn't, re- well, I I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're the guy that I met and t- have talked to the longest who I actually, you know, kind of meet and hang out with. So, yeah. Yeah, we're looking at 2 years here pretty soon, I think. Yeah. It's, it's a true story. Um so yeah, we we haven't recorded and, and um our listeners have pointed it out to me and um <laughs> And I should say, if, if the audio on this episode sounds off, and I'm pretty sure it probably does because I'm picking up some background noise on my end, we haven't recorded in so long that my computer somehow has reset my audio <laughs> device, and I'm having a hard time even figuring out how to fix that. So the audio on this episode probably isn't great. But um, uh, I should tell you, uh, over the weekend, we did that Pennsylvania Bigfoot yes. uh, camping adventure thing um, that Eric Altman put on and um i ran into around five sasswhat listeners no kidding nice yeah um people come up came up to the table and i listened to the show i'm a big fan and that is unusual for us i have to say other mm-hmm. than when we did that one conference in ohio uh <laughs> uh we usually don't have people coming up to us and saying they listen to sasswhat so that was kind of a cool thing to have happen and uh they all were like, "When are you putting out a new episode?" <laughs> so I was wow. like, "I will, I will try and get something done this weekend." Yep. So that is, that's what we're doing. So I did try to explain to the people I talked to, like, this was an insane time for small town monsters and myself, mm-hmm. and but this time that didn't necessarily exclude Mark, and then also Mark had his own stuff going on. Yeah. Um, it kind of exclusive to him and his personal life as well. That's not a bad thing. It's I made it sound like you were, you know, I'm, suffering I'm some trying debilitating to disease. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going on. So it was it was an odd occurrence. I'm sorry if, if your pitch uh both dogs are barking now. I don't know if you can hear that. Yeah. yeah making their uh annual appearance on the show. Yeah. So uh, anyway, let me shut the door to my office. live this is raw this is real raw the real deal um so uh yeah okay so i guess we're gonna go into obviously the trip to falcon and making the movie and all that stuff um but we should talk a little bit about other because it has been three weeks i don't know i know we did an episode when we got back from whitehall yes um about, about the trip to whitehall and all that so that's already been covered um but there were other things that went on in this period of time there was um you got to come hang out with us a little bit. I barely saw you at the <laughs> Canton Palace Theater. Oh yeah, it, it was crazy. You guys were uh, really busy, and uh, that was a good thing. Uh, yeah, we did a we did a screening at the uh, Canton Palace Theater, which is my favorite movie 
palace in in the country. It's my favorite place to watch movies. Uh, the chairs aren't the most comfortable in the world, but the venue itself is so cool. Yeah, that's like, okay though. It's okay to have some discomfort in those old right. theaters, you know, because uh, right. it's all part of the ambiance. And this was your at least second time there. You came to see yeah. Um, uh, Minerva Monster with us mm-hmm. there a year ago. Yep. Uh, so so yeah, we did the screening as part of the Canton Film Festival this time, and we were asked to be the featured film on Thursday night, their opening night. Um, and we packed out the house in a way. I mean, it, it's a huge movie theater. I saw a concert there back in December, and it was you know literally sold out. So there were there's around eighteen hundred seats in the place. So we did not sell out or even come close to selling it out, but. Um, we did have a, a very good number of people from what I've told. We broke the previous Thursday night record, which we had also set yeah, for, right. for a monster. So we broke that record, uh, with Beast of Whitehall. So, um, that was, that was pretty cool. what the organizers and think? Were they happy with the, they were very happy from, from what I gathered in talking to them. I was a little nervous. I think I, t- I might've even told you when you got there because, yeah. um, Minerva Monster had so much press behind it going mm-hmm. into it, and and the awareness locally, regionally, you know, um, but especially in Northeast Ohio, was really high for Minerva Monster. I mean, it was all over the place. And this time around, Beast of Whitehall, it's not set in Ohio; it's set in New York. It had very little press behind it locally, if if any, prior to the week of the event. Um, the week of the event, Brandon and I were on. Uh, Brandon was actually on Q92 by himself talking about it. I was on, uh, Brandon and I were on WAKR and then W, uh, Wadsworth Community Radio. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did those and then we had a reporter come out from a local paper to cover us, but that story didn't even run. And then there was an article about us in the Canton repository. Mm-hmm. So there was a little bit of press behind it, but nothing compared to Minerva. And I was nervous because they asked us. I mean, just this is some behind the scenes inside baseball stuff mm-hmm. for listeners. But like they asked us to, to premiere. This is my opinion. They asked us to premiere Whitehall here. Not not because they're like so excited to show yet another Bigfoot movie, but because of the fact that I think they were aware that we had built up a following mm-hmm. behind Monster. And they're like, let's, you know, let's get these guys and they'll draw some attention to the event. And that's cool. But that puts this pressure on us where we're like oh we're gonna have to try to perform again yeah. without that same local coverage kind of thing mm-hmm. and it, it was amazing uh when the event showed up at, at okay so the doors opened at what six the, the yeah I think the, the doors opened at six yeah, right and and the movies the other films that were in the film festival started playing at six thirty, and then there was an hour allotted to those movies, but it ended up going to almost eight o'clock, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started at six thirty, and they showed all these uh, horror and sci-fi. Was that was that it? Horror yes, and sci-fi genre. Right. Yep. Um, like local, small budget, short films. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was what played prior to Beast of Whitehall, and I was nervous because at six o'clock when the doors opened, we had I think maybe a hundred fifty people total mm-hmm. in, in the theater and i was like this is probably not what they're <laughs> looking for yeah um but then around um let's see we went on at seven or at eight eight thirty eight o'clock i think right mm-hmm. around eight o'clock and around seven fifteen, the place started getting really busy actually right around the time you showed up yeah was when it really seemed like it started 
getting crazy and then it just got crazier and then the the, the most amazing thing for me was there were a few things that i thought were really cool about the event um one is that you guys were there because andy anytime i would see andy at one of our movies it's it's always a treat for me and then my nephews were there which yeah. is neat. awesome um yeah and then um but there were so many people that just came because they had followed it online or heard about it online or a friend told them and that was really interesting for me that the word of mouth was spreading like that on this particular movie and we had a lot of people who came out because they were aware of us from Minerva Monster so it was like just kind of a w- local awareness for the for the project building but um, the Q&A was fantastic we had I think of the of the entire audience maybe it had to have been over a third maybe even a half of of the audience for the movie actually stuck around for the Q and A and they ended up having to shut the Q and A down right because it went so long. Yeah. It went over an hour. Um, and that was trippy too. Yeah. That was one of the best Q and A's we've done. Um, yeah, I thought it was the question. Yeah, were so good. exactly. The, and they were, there's a variety too. It wasn't just Bigfoot. There were, you know, movie related, like movie making related questions also. So there's the first, pretty cool. The first question, the first question we were asked was this guy asking me if I purposefully uh, blew up the exposure yeah. on an on right. Paul Bartholomew's interview. Uh, but later I found out that some of the people liked that fact. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to start owning it and saying yes, I purposefully blew yep. that, that exposure. That's out. the that's the breed love trademark. Yeah, yeah. That's that's my style. The calling that's, card. Yeah. Just watch for all the things that are just horribly <laughs> overexposed. That's me. Um, so yeah, it was it was a really cool event, and um, we had a, just a great audience. And and Brandon and I have talked about it a little bit, but um, we with Small Town Monsters and with Sasswat, you know, they're they're both are. It's weird because I I feel like even the movies are influenced by you and your your opinions in a way, mm-hmm. and just like I'm sure you know, like Sasswat's influenced by both of us and i feel like that stretches over to SDM because there's things that i probably wouldn't be aware of if it wasn't for you so your voice kind of seeps into wow <laughs> the movies in a way um awesome. but the the coolest thing about it has been that with sasswet and with small town monsters we are not just gr- like appealing to these bigfoot people the bigfoot people and i love the bigfoot people and we have some great like bigfooters that listens that listen to the shows but like I had multiple people come up to me at at the screening who were just like, you know, we saw Minerva Monster last year and we really liked your approach to the subject. Mm-hmm. And like, or, or people who are like, normally I wouldn't watch this stuff, but I like what you guys are doing. Yeah. And we hear that a lot with Sasswat too. Um, so I know there's a lot of people that listen to Sasswat who probably don't normally follow big footy things. So, um, I don't know. I'm just glad we're kind of opening up the subject to people who might otherwise have shied away from it. I mean, that's sort of the mission from the beginning Mm -hmm. was to hit that spot for people. Yes. Yeah. And I've heard more than once people say, um, you know, they, they began watching the film, whether it was Beast of Whitehall or Minerva, and their experience was that they ended up in a different place than when they started. Like you said, I mean, it was not a subject that maybe they were interested in or they were pretty much decided on the fact that it was you know just a bunch of bunk bunk and after watching the film and the the approach that's taken their their door is open a little bit more than it was well did did you hear zach talk talking to us outside of the monster mart about it was it was right (laughs) 
Do you, do you remember when Mrs. Crabtree uh, pulled up? Her her and her her husband walked up, and she asked uh, if we if yeah. I was a believer. Yeah. And my <clears throat> my response, which I'm not going to repeat here, but um, <laughs> Zach actually said that he my my friend Zach went down with us to Falk for the filming, which we might as well go ahead and open that and start talking sure. about the filming. Okay. Uh, down at Falk, but. Um, Zach was the cinematographer on Boggy Creek Monster, and he's one of my oldest friends. And, and Zach and I actually bonded because he worked at a Borders down in Canton. And he saw me pick up a New York Film Academy flyer, because at the time I really wanted to go to film school because mm-hmm. I wanted to be a director. And uh, he was like, hey, man, you you know, you know want to go to film school? And I said, I said, yeah, and we got to talk about movies. So Zach and I have always talked film our whole lives. So this was awesome for me because I got to make a movie with one of my oldest friends yeah. who – who loves film and and it was unusual for both of us and maybe i can talk about that a little bit more in a minute but but let me get to this point first the zach is a total skeptic Mm -hmm. to to the point where he almost didn't want us to take him along to to make the movie because he didn't know he would be able to contribute because he said you know i have no interest in this and that kind of thing and i kept telling him i don't need you to have some sort of burning desire to you know, get to the truth behind Bigfoot or, or, or even have a moderate interest in mm-hmm. it. Um, I, I need you to make the best movie we can make. Like that's, and that is 100% what he did. Like the stuff he caught on film is a thousand times better than anything I've done. So, um, but Zach on the last day said, you know, when we started doing all this, I was like, ah, it's all a bunch of bull crap, you know, mm-hmm. in his own, in his own foul mouthed way. <laughs> uh, he said, it's all a bunch of bull crap. And then, um, he said, but now that I've been down here and I, I've talked to these people, I'm like, well, maybe there is something there. Like, you know, he, he's the door. It's like you said, the door is open and, and I've seen that with a lot of people. So even the process of just going down, cause that obviously doesn't have anything to do with us. Mm-hmm. It has to do with talking to the witnesses and hearing witnesses talk about it. Yeah. You, it does open up even the most ardent skeptic. I mean, I'm pretty skeptical myself, but it opens up the door to, to people to say, there's a lot more to this subject than just running around in the woods, banging on trees and screaming and all that stuff, or, you know, just overblown hyperbole and drama and dramatic recreation mm-hmm. and all that stuff. There's there's something here that's really intriguing if people will just allow themselves to, to look into the subject and look beyond all the craziness that's so prevalent in pop culture. Yeah, and you look at the people who are relaying those stories. I mean... Um you know, just the people that we were able to come into contact through the making of the film are utterly ordinary people. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way. I mean, they're people that you could hang out with and that you would trust. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they welcomed us into their homes in some cases. And uh, just these quality individuals who really would have a lot to lose, I would think, by going on camera and sharing this experience, except something happened to them. And in, in Many of those cases, you can see it still emotionally affects them to even talk about it. Yeah. And that uh, that's cool. I, I think that that's generally been the experience, that it's um, these people and their experiences. And you can choose to believe what you want about a mystery primate or whatever it is. But these people, something happened to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that that part of it, too, is you don't have to believe. You don't have to believe there is a ape out there running around um but you have to see that there's something intriguing in all of this you know like whether you think there, whether you are completely an ardent skeptic and think it's all psychological or whatever like 
why you know just being involved and talking to these people is so intriguing um i got to ride around so so i guess we should i don't even know how we want to do this yeah, i know i mean i, I don't i don't want to be super like um formal about yeah. it yeah because this is this is our opportunity to just talk about it with each other because this is my first time to talk to mark since since we both got back right. and and honestly in a way it did it did suck because mark and i barely spoke while i was down there um Although I did, I mean, I got to talk to you. We were together quite a few times. We got mm-hmm. to go out to dinner one night. I mean, there was, I probably talked to you as much as I did any one person, but it was one of the craziest weeks of my life, sure. too. So, and uh, Brandon and I were talking about it yesterday. Like, it was so unbelievably stressful. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Like, uh, I've never, we, we got asked yesterday by a little girl what our favorite movie was. Like, what was your favorite one to do of the three now? Because we have finished, you know, f- principal photography on Boggy's Wrapped. Uh, we worked six 14-hour days mm-hmm. to do it. So six straight 14-hour days and then two days, one day down and one day back driving. Uh, the, the drive down was 17 hours. The drive back, for whatever reason, went from what should have been a 14-hour drive to a 20-hour drive. Oh, so, wow. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, the drive back drive back was really bad Bad weather, weather that day wasn't there yeah we had awful weather we uh i did win 45 dollars on a lotto ticket at a gas station <laughs> someone uh. dared me to play it um so that's what happens when you're trying to avoid getting hit by hail at a gas station in the middle of nowhere yeah. in arkansas you're um, rewarded so somehow. yeah <laughs> yeah that's well here's the, the funniest thing is the yeah the guy running the gas station was like i i you know, I scratch off my ticket or whatever. I've never played a lotto ticket. I scratch <laughs> off the ticket. I got like $45. And he's like, let me tell you something. I'm not kidding. This is how he, he had one tooth. He, you know, he's in his bib overalls. And he goes, let me tell you something. Quit while you're ahead. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's sage so advice. This man right had, there. Yeah. This, this guy had lived it. So, uh, <laughs> in that moment I, I did, I did quit it, but somehow we, yeah, it took 20 hours on the way back. So anyway, six, Six fourteen-hour days, um, and just in, in insanely, um, insanely busy mm-hmm. for for all that time. And you're trying to. Uh, this is the first time. Oh, anyway, the point I was about to make <laughs> before I derailed myself was this little girl asked what our favorite movie to make was, you know, and I said, well, I haven't obviously got into post production, and and the process on post production on this is probably going to be a lot of fun while we're editing because I think the other guys that help make the movie will probably be around. Aaron's already been over with me and Zach's offered to come over and hang out and, you know, like um, Brandon's going to be over obviously and Mm -hmm. we'll probably have Lyle involved in meetings and all that stuff and you're going to be involved in post-production work. So I think the post-production on this might even end up being funner or more fun than the actual principal photography, which would be unusual. But I told her it was Whitehall for me because... It was just Whitehall was so, so it, it, looking back so chill yeah. compared, compared to this because Brandon and I would just pull up you know we go do an interview and then we drive down the road and then we shoot some B roll and then you know you keep going and it, it was just to to compare the two is really interesting because Boggy was never on schedule it was never following the schedule I laid mm-hmm. out and that started from the minute we got down there. Um, which was what the, I'm trying to even remember. We got in late Friday night, Saturday morning. I'm like, uh, we're gonna get up around ten o'clock, or we're gonna go into town around ten o'clock. We're gonna shoot B-roll at the at the Monster Mart and get you know some B-roll around town, kind of chill. I kept telling them it's gonna be a chill day. Hmm. This is our chill day. So we get into 
Falk. We go right to the Monster Mart. We're all ready for our chill day. You know, everyone's taking it easy. I get out of the car and I walked into the Monster Mart, and the first thing that happens is uh, Smokey Crabtree's grandson is standing at the at the counter buying like a six pack of beer or something. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I I the lady that was running the counter introduced me to him because for some reason she was aware of who we were. Uh, which, by the way, the the people that run the Monster Mart are amazing. So absolutely fantastic yeah. people. Um, and she was one of the coolest. I really wish I remembered her name, but I don't know if you got it. It was the lady that was there the last day who took our photo outside. Oh, yeah. No, I she, never really. She follows me on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. She's amazing. But um, anyway, she introduced me to him, and then he turned around to leave, and then on his way out the door, he turned back around, came back to me, and said. Uh, you know, we're we're gonna do something we never do. Uh, we would like to take you guys out to our, the the Crabtree property. Yeah. I mean, this is this is like ground zero for the Legend of Boggy Creek. It's where a lot of scenes from the film were were shot. It's where okay, so like it's where the scene where the dogs are on the road with the hunters. You know, yeah. The, it, there's a clip of it was shot there. Um, some of the wood scenes were shot there. They gave us like a rundown of what was shot there, but it's also where Lynn Crabtree had his sighting by the tree, mm-hmm. um, which in a way kind of kicked the whole thing off. So, like I said, it's it's like ground zero. And then this is also the place where Smokey actually dug this freaking lake himself. Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of his stomping ground, and we go, you know, excitedly we follow neil back to this place and we proceeded to film there for like five hours just getting b-roll and getting what was funny is we're also trying to get acquainted with our gear and we're not sure how much time we're going to have back here shooting so we don't want to you know we don't want to intrude on these people's property you're always very aware of that Mm -hmm. so we're trying to get our gear up and ready and running so we're we're all soaked in sweat too it's super hot Mm -hmm. this day none of us were ready or prepared to be back in the wood shooting already, so that was another thing. We shot five hours, and then on the way out, they ended up uh, inviting us to go down Days Creek on boats. So we pile into, like, three swamp boats. I don't know what you'd call them. Yeah. And uh, proceed to be driven around these swamps uh, by members of the Crabtree family (laughs) in one of the, I mean, wackiest, most uh, wild... Fun-filled rides I think I've ever had. I mean, we were roaring down Days Creek and yeah. around Boggy Creek, and you know, one of the coolest things about that is you cannot typically boat down Boggy Creek. It's not. It's not. So, despite what the name draws to mind, Boggy Creek is just kind of a trickle of a creek mm-hmm. that runs through this area. But because of the flooding, it was full to the point where we could, you know, fly down this creek uh, on these boats. Our our. Uh, I don't want to get him in trouble or anything. Our boat captain was enjoying some refreshment the entire time. And I was like, at, at any minute, something horrible is going to happen. Yeah. Like, we're flying. We're flying down these. We almost swamped another boat that had Brandon and Jason in uh-huh. it, too, is the other thing. We, like, we hit them with a wave, and they hit a stump oh, no. and almost went over. And they had equipment and stuff in there, too. So Yeah, I remember watching um, the behind-the-scenes footage and thinking to myself, those guys are really going fast. I mean, it just, you could see, it was, yeah. there was an element of, uh, I don't know if fear is too strong a word, but extreme yeah. caution. At the very, I mean, I was loving it. Yeah, I got it, there's there's a weird thing that happens. I told Zach about this. It's it's the second I get a camera in my hands, 
I'm it's almost like I'm living inside of a movie so no I don't have fear so like mm-hmm. I was leaning out the front of this boat for most of that ride um shooting footage yeah. one of the funniest things about that is all the footage we shot on that ride is pretty much unusable oh. it's so shaky cuz oh. we were like hand holding cameras and all this stuff yeah. cuz we weren't prepared for any of it right um some of it's usable but the re- really beautiful kind of boat footage was the next night and then two nights later when Brandon with that night that you and I were out yeah um when we were left up at the top of the pit bull covered uh yes <laughs> hill uh but the, the it's just that that was and that was the first day we started filming at at 10 o'clock uh probably got out to the crab trees around 11 and then shot all the way t- through to about seven o'clock at night and that was our first day and then we drove back to the to the uh, hotel room and started unloading footage and started reviewing footage and then Aaron and I were editing the first BTS um, for Kickstarter backers and it it was one insane thing after the mm-hmm. next nothing ever followed the schedule the people were kind of coming and going at will like interview subjects um, no one exactly followed the schedule so that was one thing I learned pretty quickly it was just a kind of move on our feet and be ready to shoot whatever needed shot mm-hmm. at any given time. But um you guys got in on Monday. Yeah. Yes. Late Monday afternoon. Mhm. And I never saw you until Tuesday morning, is yeah. that right? or did I see you Monday night? No, I think I don't Tuesday, think I did. No, cuz you guys were going. I mean, okay, yeah. We were got back at we like were, 10 o'clock that night. I mean, that's how busy you guys were. Yeah, I told it was it was what we figured is six fourteen hour days yeah. or, or in that six twelve to fourteen hour days is what it came out to basically. Um, so so you guys went out with us on Tuesday. What did we shoot Tuesday? Oh man, that was a, it was awesome. It was the perfect introduction oh, for us because we ended up at yes. the Miller County yeah um, Family and Historical Museum. That was amazing, mm-hmm. and that was like a yeah, welcome th- to Falk moment that you couldn't have engineered any better. It was perfect because you got to hear. H.L. Phillips, and he got to hear Frank McFerrin, who's the curator of the museum, and he's kind of the local historian. So you started off your day, or your time, I guess, in Falk in general, with the history of Falk. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of the perfect way to come into it. Yeah, it was amazing. And just to, also one of the most... Just to walk around in that place and see all the, the local history and how much of that they have devoted to the legend of Boggy Creek was really, I guess I was surprised by that a little bit. I expected there to be far less in the way of boggy memorabilia because I didn't know what, you know, if there's a mixed reaction to that being a part of their their background or, or what. But it really seems, at least in this museum, they have, they've embraced it and you know, they've welcomed it into their, their history. It's, and uh, to see it in context with the other parts of Falk, um, I don't know. I don't think there's a there's no substitute for that because it gives you it puts it in the culture. Which if you just if you just see the movie, you get a little teeny taste of it. But being dropped into that museum is I don't know. It's kind of a dream come true for me. Super. It it hasn't changed. Um, it doesn't seem like it's changed a ton either. No. I mean, yeah. The, some of the trappings obviously of of like 21st century life have taken hold there, right? But it still feels very <clears throat> it's one of the one of the only places and i know things are like this in the south just in general but but like it's one of the only places i've been to where it still feels like when i was a kid and we would travel cuz my my family traveled so much when i was a kid we spent a little ton of time in the south and it still feels like one of those little southern towns 
we would visit when I was a kid. Um, and, and the people are nice, unbelievably sweet, unbelievably nice. Yeah. Um, you never know what you're going to run into on these things. And, and, but typically the people that we do encounter are just unbelievably welcoming. And that's kind of how that was. But yeah, that first day you guys were there, I, I woke up in the morning and I was like, I have a bit of a headache and (laughs) which, which was not unusual. I ended up, I took, so I have like a prescription for migraines. Mm -hmm. Uh, I took five pills with me and I came home with none. Yeah. So that's how, that's how my trip was as far as, so like the first three days I was downing my prescription, like there was no tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then by Tuesday I was like, I'm not taking another pill today because it would have been four days in a row of taking my prescription. And I woke up in the morning feeling like crap, and then I it just progressively got worse yeah. to the point that we're like setting up for our first interview, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. Right. So like we get through our first interview, which by the way, the first interview is is probably our biggest for the whole movie. I think like I I think I would be justified in saying that that particular interview is there's things in that interview that the rest of the movie are going to hinge on, mm-hmm. and it's also with one of the only people, if not the only people that, well, I don't want to say that, but it's definitely someone who's, who plays a huge role in the original history of, of Boggy mm-hmm. Creek and Falk and, and the Falk monster. Um, so I couldn't botch that. I didn't want to botch that, but there was also a lot of the lighting and everything was giving us trouble. So we were having all the typical things. It was the f- first, that day was the only time we shot indoor interviews. So those two interviews that we shot there were the only two indoor interviews we did the entire time. Mm-hmm. So that was giving us trouble. And by the time we finished that interview, I had gone out to the, I had to go out to the car and collapse with like the AC turned up full blast. Cause it was extremely hot in that museum mm-hmm. that day. Um, and then, we had one more interview to shoot. I don't even know if I told you about this. I almost collapsed during Frank McGrin's interview. Really? I was like, yeah, because I was soaked. Like, I don't, I don't uh, know. Man. Our listeners have, have had, like, a migraine before, but it, it feels like your head is splitting open from the inside. And that's kind of where I was. And I was soaked in sweat because it was super hot in there. And I kept reaching for my water, and it was nowhere near me. And you couldn't move on the floor because the floor right. creaks. And we had a mic set up and the gain. You know, Brand is trying to keep the sound level and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I, that that day was ended up being one of the one of the difficult ones. Mm-hmm. We went back. I think we went back to the hotel in the afternoon for like three hours. That was the only day we got to take some sort of break. Mm-hmm. Um but that night we ended up, that was like also one of the days that ended up going the longest, if I'm not mistaken. We were out at, was that the Smith Park day? Yes. Or was that the next day? Okay. Yeah, that was. So we, yeah, so we ended up out at Smith Park, which is kind of, locals always tell you to go to Smith Park if you want like Bigfoot activity and, and that sort of thing. So I know a lot of people have claimed to see Bigfoots there. At least two of our witnesses in the movie uh, claimed to have seen Bigfoots there. So um, we were out there filming and all this stuff. So. I mean, basically what we're saying is I don't want to go day by day and give some sort of account of every single thing that happened. Right. That would probably just bore people. But but as as far as you, I'm interested to hear your take on the trip. Because for those that don't know, like Mark is obviously the bigger a legend of Boggy yeah. Creek fan of the two of us. Because I think he grew up with it and I've only been aware of it for a few years. And even though it probably was a big inspiration behind you know, small town monsters just in general, that came because of Lyle and his book more so than Legend of Boggy Creek itself. Whereas Mark has written a very in-depth essay 
on Legend of Boggy Creek, and and I know he has a deep love for it. So I want to talk to you about, you know, what that experience was like for you. Yeah. Well, um, I guess the thing about that I keep going back to is, as a you know someone with a deep love for the film, going down there, one thing that I wanted to get a sense of is just personally how plausible I thought it would be for there to be that kind of creature down there. You know, in other words, is it, you know, is Arkansas really a place where this sort of thing could happen? And, um, yeah, I mean, coming out of that experience, I, I didn't take very long to come to the conclusion that yes, it is. I mean, just in anywhere you go, it seems in the Jonesville area or the, um, you know, or Falk itself, and in some of those uh, on-location interviews that were done and how far we had to drive to get back in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look and maybe... Stacy Hudson's was the craziest yes, for me. Yes, yes, absolutely. And you look 15 feet from the road and the brush is so thick that there could be an elephant back there and you wouldn't see it. Mm-hmm. And there's just acres upon acres of that type of land down there. Yeah. Um, Oh, you know, that that was part of it. I wanted to see, is the landscape relatively similar to what it was back then in the, in the early 70s when the movie was made? And once again, I think, yeah, I mean, absolutely it is. There, There's places still where we were told you can't get there except by horseback. And, you know, it's like this is the 21st century. You just assume that there's a way to get anywhere. And there's places yeah. in those bottoms that you can't. I mean, you have to have the absolutely right way of getting there or else you're not going to. And, um, but, you know, I think along with that, I was really, really excited and hopeful that we would be able to see actual locations from the film. And we were not disappointed, especially going out to the Searcy house. I mean, that was, yeah. that was a moment of pilgrimage, really, for me. And uh, to see it in person, to see the old mangled mailbox with their name on it, that mm-hmm. was important for me because it, you know, it, it proved this was their property. I mean, I believe yeah. that it was, but having that was like a, a stamp of confirmation that was important for me to see. That, that mailbox, um, that was a weird, like, emotional thing for me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why, like, the fact that that, <laughs> this, is good. this is like one of those A-Bear things, though. Mm-hmm. The, the Cersei house in general... I don't know how to put this into words because it's it's going to sound wrong probably to listeners or people would think I'm, I'm saying this wrong. But sometimes when you're making these, you, you will have a very profound emotional attachment while you're making the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't happen so much during Minerva Monster, but it did happen during Beast of Whitehall. I became really emotionally attached to the story and to the people. And, and, during, and that was all during filming. I, I was keenly aware that I was in this place where all this history had happened. And with this particular movie, as bizarre as it would seem to most people, I did not feel that way. I was never um, super emotionally attached to any particular place where we were filming. But for some reason, the Cersei house, um, that happened. And I think it's because you're looking at this this piece of history that's dilapidated and falling apart. And and that mailbox drove that home for me. You see the, the mother's name on the mailbox. Um, and that Cersei name on the mailbox, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, hey, I mean, for me, it's always like, hey, this is p- possibly you one day. <laughs> this is this is possibly your mailbox one day. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's there's something for me like emotionally 
that connected me to that place. And that was the only time and place while we were down there where I really felt felt that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, I, yeah, I think the, the fact that it was so dilapidated and uh, there really are no plans, it would seem, to kind of update it or whatever. I don't, I don't think you could. Yeah. The entire back wall has, uh, has kind of fallen away from the house. Mm-hmm. The, actually, the, the window where uh, the creature would have come to, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. right? Right, yeah. exactly. In, That's in where it movie. was seen from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that whole wall's out. It's mm-hmm. fallen away from the house. Yeah. So, and I guess the other thing, too, is that it was sort of a profound father-son type of epic road trip. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just the fact that we were we enjoyed that whole trip together and kind of saw that strip of the United States. And then, you know, to be there on the with you guys in a place that you know, we had seen in this movie and loved. And uh, it's really hard to say how much we enjoyed it, but it was just, you know, like an ultimate moment in some ways. And then w- with Andy's interest in filmmaking and just the way that the crew really treated him, you know, exceptionally well, because you guys were so busy and all kinds of things happening. But, um, you know, for just everybody was super kind to him. And that, as a dad, of course, that that's like, there's nothing that could be better than that. So that was special, too, for us, because he's, you know, 110% behind anything small town monsters. And, and this was a huge, huge trip for him, too. Yeah, um, Andy is Andy is to the point where he is. I mean, I don't. I, I've said before he's like our mascot, but yeah. I'm also I'm almost starting to feel like that's insulting in a way. Like I feel like Andy is the, is is just an, at this point he's like an official member of the crew. Um, we had him. <laughs> there were times where we'd be setting up for a shot and be like, Andy, go get go get me this. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and Andy would run off and get me a lens or something. Like, yeah. So An- Andy wasn't just down there kind of standing around setups either like he was we were actively putting mm-hmm. him to work and i think he he wanted to do that yeah which you don't often see someone that wants you know, a kid you don't see kids who actively want to be working like mm-hmm. put to work yes but he would he was always wanting to do something or you know like i met, I met this this little girl yesterday and she reminded me of like a female version <laughs> just super curious and, yeah. and just fascinated by everything going on so many questions and that's kind of how andy mm-hmm. operates and he's always watching. Like Andy doesn't just kind of stand there and stare at his feet. Yeah. Or you know, he's either he's either off adventuring on his own, or he is actively trying to figure out what you're doing. You know, like watching. He's he's just a curious kid, and that probably is why he's going to end up the president, <laughs> president of the United <laughs> yeah. States of America. But yeah, um, Andy, make make America great again. There you go. But um, yeah, it, it was for for us having. Um, him there, I think was for, you know, Zach was the first person that said it he said it to Brandon. He's like, can you imagine being his age and getting to be a part of like a, a movie? Cause you know, like some people might consider what we do is kind of silly, but it's an actual movie. Like we had a, we had a real budget. We had actual cinema camera. We had real gear this time. Like this was a, an actual production. And for a kid, if I was 13 years old and had been asked to help, on a movie set, I would have flipped my oh, lid because yeah. I've loved movies as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, but he was always 
it was always awesome to have him around. Like even that night that you guys that it was us five up on top of that pit <laughs> yeah. bull ridden hill. Our um, survival story of yeah. <laughs> Which yeah for 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 the record, folks. In Falk, Arkansas, everything wants to kill you. Like, you go anywhere, sure. and there's the first thing you do when you get out of the car is some local will be like, all right, have fun while you're here, but watch out for this. Watch out for X. And and at this particular spot, the X was watch out for the packs of wild, feral pit bulls <laughs> roaming the hillside. And I'm like, is this serious? Like, there's, They're like, yeah, they will mess you up. And we actually did see one of these packs, like, uh, two nights prior to that night. So this one particular night, we were supposed to drive all these vehicles. There's like five vehicles trooping around. We're, we're trying to drive back down this hill where we had already filmed one night, but we needed to go back to take a boat out to shoot footage on this lake. We're trying to go back down there, and I proceeded to get us stuck in the mud in, this, in one of the vans. And um, we realized the van wasn't going to make it down the hill. And then... Um, so what we ended up doing is Lyle had to come back and get uh, two of the other crew members and then take them down with the, with camera gear and all that stuff to the lake. And then they went out. And while they were doing that, it was uh, it was Mark and Andy and then my cinematographer, Zach, and then uh, one of our other crew members, Jason, and then me up on top of this uh, hill um, in the middle, which is it is odd down there. There's not a lot of high spots, but this is one of the only high spots kind of in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess up at the, uh, up where we were, there's, there's, uh, a lot of pit bulls. And there's also, this is also an unusual location where we captured some, some audio. I don't think I can talk too much about that. We haven't decided what we're going to do as far as branding captured some really, really fantastic, uh, audio of something calling. Um, and you know, Audio is very subjective. I don't often go in for purported Bigfoot howls, but this is not a coyote, and it's you know it's it's not an owl. It sounds a lot like the Ohio howl, and it's. Uh... Did you get to hear it? Yeah, yeah, we did. Okay, okay. And I and think I, it, it's worth mentioning that you guys weren't howling, you weren't knocking trees. It was right. just you were setting up for an interview, right? We we were literally in the middle of setting up for an interview, and. Uh, the other thing that that's kind of cool about it is the spot that it happened is a spot where a bunch of things have taken place beyond just someone seeing a Bigfoot. There was someone with us who had seen a Bigfoot here multiple times, actually. But um, this is a key piece of the legend of Boggy Creek, the legend of Boggy Creek film. There's there's a particular person that lived in this area, and I don't want to give too much away. But we did capture um, what sounds a lot like the Ohio howl. Um, and there was, yeah, like you said, there was no one banging trees or anything. And Lyle and uh, our witness both were very intrigued by it. And we captured it, and it's very clear. So I, I don't know. I, we haven't decided yet what we're going to do with it. We're definitely not going to, you know, throw it out there and try to turn it into a, a circus. But mm-hmm. it is very intriguing. Yeah. Anyway, um but that was a fun night because we got to be up in that woods, up on that hill until dark. Um, it was pretty much dark by the time the trucks started coming back up the hill. So that was cool for us because despite the fact we were working long days, it was typically we were wrapping up around 9, 9.30 down there. So it wasn't fully dark always. Um, but that particular night, it did get pretty dark. And by the time we were heading home, it was down dark, dark streets. So... Um, 
what else besides Andy and your father? Oh, uh, well, I did at the oh couple things. One is I just wanted mm-hmm. to say thanks to Lyle Blackburn because he took some extra time with us on that day mm-hmm. after the um, historical society. We went. Uh, he took us around, showed us where Boggy Creek begins, essentially, and yeah. uh, another place where Boggy Creek uh, goes through a culvert. And you can get your picture taken by it and stuff. And then he spent probably at least an hour and a half, maybe even two hours, just hanging out with us at Monster Mart, and we just shot the breeze, talked. Bigfoot and what he does when he's not doing Bigfoot type stuff and just a real laid back and super open guy. So yeah. I, I was really blown away once again by his, you know, his accessibility. That was really cool. Yeah. He'll, as Brandon and I talked a little bit about it yesterday, but Lyle is one of the friendliest, friendly uh, Bigfoot personalities I've met. And, and he is giving of his time in a way that no one else that I've met is in, he he is he's got a name like he's a he's a known entity he's he, especially in that particular area he's he's pretty much a, a celeb down there they call him a movie star a lot of the places <laughs> you go in uh-huh. and but he'll take the time to do the, I thought that was the coolest thing when I found out he was going to take you guys out I was also very relieved because I was like I felt so that was the day where I was sick yeah and I was like thank God that I'm not just like leaving everyone <laughs> in the dust while I go off to nap for yeah. an hour or whatever. Um, but yeah, that was Lyle's, Lyle was extremely giving of his time to, to almost everyone. Like he mm-hmm. would take, you know, time out to talk to, to people the entire time we were down there. Right. So. Well, I think that's the secret to his success in getting people to talk down there because it, mm-hmm. it requires time more than anything else to earn people's trust. And clearly he's done that there and that, right. That's taken years of his time to do a lot. We should say you guys have, you, you recorded I know you recorded audio with Lyle. Yes. Um, while you were down there, so I'm assuming there's going to be a Monsterland Ohio Falk retrospective yeah, coming soon. Definitely, that will be our next episode, and we did our own sort of reflections there on the Sutton property. Mm-hmm. We stood out front and just talked about what we had experienced so far, and then Andy got that uh, a little bit of Lyle talking about the Cersei house. And then we still have to do sort of a wrap-up and our final thoughts. But, yeah, that'll be the next one that drops. I, I can't wait. That, that might yeah. be, that, that has the potential to be a pretty listened-to episode, I think, just because of the subject matter. Um, yeah. Cause there's, well, that's the thing. The It's the name. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, people outside of the Bigfoot world are keenly aware of, of Legend of Boggy Creek. Mm-hmm. It, it left a mark. So yeah, there's a... Uh, certain level of pressure to live up to the legacy of Boggy Creek. And, and especially because I th- I, I've grown to respect um, Pierce quite a bit, just just as a filmmaker, just as his, his drive to go out and, and do this stuff on his own. That's the way I am, man. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't. I'm terrible about taking orders and t- terrible about being w- told what to do at all, which I'm sure you've seen. Like, yeah. everyone ha- that's been around me has seen me. I'm just not good about it. Like, I can't... There's there is an independence in me that probably isn't a good thing all the time. In fact, I'm 100% sure it's not a good thing all the time. But he seemed to have that same kind of mentality, and every guy that I've ever looked up to in filmmaking or anything kind of has that mentality. So I don't know if that just breeds itself in crazy... Uh, <laughs> crazy filmmaker types or mm-hmm. what, but 
Like I know that was Walt Disney's way too, and Walt's like my hero. So, mm-hmm. um, but but Pierce has that had that mentality, and he'd go out and he did. I mean, the guy, the guy shot the whole movie. Okay, he mm-hmm. he got the money. He went out and he got the actors. He directed the movie. He shot the movie. He helped shoot the movie. He did the music. He helped do those two songs. He's singing yeah. on on the score for the soundtrack. Um, it's it's. You're you're just keenly aware of the the fact that you're trying to live up to that legacy, mm-hmm. and um, the only other movies that have attempted it have been B grade bad horror films, you know, and and even Pierce couldn't live up to his own right legacy with with Boggy Creek too. Yeah. So, and and what we're trying to do is to, to it's it's difficult to even put it into words. You're trying to create something wholly our own obviously it's a small town monsters it's it's its own thing but you've got to draw off of the well of the history of of boggy creek and the legend of boggy creek in that movie as well and you've got to give people the impression that like this nostalgic kind of vibe that draws them back to what it was like to watch legend of boggy Mm -hmm. creek yeah when they were kids or whenever they saw it And, and if they fell in love with it you've got to kind of be able to put them in that mindset. So there's a lot of pressure as well. Sure. Well, I think <laughs> if I can encourage you at all, you've already proven that you're capable of doing it with the Kickstarter teaser. You know, just the mm-hmm. footage of that, uh, like, Rainy Falk <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, some of the, the audio grabs from the original. I mean, it was, it was just perfectly done, I thought. Yeah. So I, you're on, you're absolutely... You're approaching it the right way. Now, let me tell you something. This is really interesting. I picked up um, uh, Smokey and the Falk Monster, the book, at Monster Monster, and started reading that. And according to Smokey Crabtree, Pierce had some of, you know, had the camera shipped to where he was, where he was staying, which at the time I think was actually a a trailer owned by Smokey Crabtree. And he was learning to use it on the fly. Yeah. Like, as they were getting ready to produce the film, he was out there trying to figure out how everything worked. And Smokey said that within about a day, he was he was filming effectively. So, I mean, that gives That's, you a sense of the how that whole thing was going down and the drive that Pierce had to get it done. Well, it's, it sounds like us. I mean, because yeah. that day, the day... I mean, here's the thing. All the equipment we got, we had not... We'd never used most of it. We'd never used... In fact, the only equipment that we rented that we'd used before was the audio recorder and the shotgun mic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd use that same thing for, for Beast of Whitehall. And um, so Brandon was able to take some of the things he'd learned on Beast of Whitehall and really up the ante on the sound side of things. But we had never used an A7S two, which was our B-roll camera, mm-hmm. our primary B-roll camera. And Zach had never shot with an FS5. And um, we actually... I mean, he had less time to learn. We learned all that, you know, at least Zach was to the point where he was able to sh- start shooting footage in a few hours out at the out at the at Crabtree uh, location. But but I can't imagine Pierce trying to pick up a 16 millimeter camera, mm-hmm. um, non-digital. He's probably making all those adjustments, exposure and all that manually. That's awesome. Yeah. That is a fantastic little piece of the puzzle. Yep. I love, I love and he that. was shooting a lot all the time is the other thing that now I, Smokey has a lot of other things to say about Charles Pierce. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I believe it. But Smokey was a very shrewd man reading his book. He knew 
he understood a long time before a lot of people did uh, sort of the value of his own work, um, mm-hmm. both as a, you know, as a welder and a, sort of a self-made man. And he also had a shrewd understanding of what this movie could be far more than anybody else in Falk, just from the reading of this book. And he he was very hopeful that Pierce would come through on some of the things that he said he would do, which unfortunately didn't happen. But that's an, another story for another time. But I, I just like having that resource now. I'm about three quarters of the way through the book, and it's fascinating. Uh, it just, yeah, I'm, um, I'm reading it. Yeah. I'm working my yep. way through it, too. So yeah. I need to get to that part, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Once you get there, it, it's pretty it's pretty eye opening. But um, uh, I'll just leave it there because that's we'll have that conversation another time. But, right. but I thought you'd like that detail about the. I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I don't I don't know that. Um, and anyone who works in any kind of uh, creative medium, art or sculpting, Jean St. Jean or <laughs> whatever it is, um, might understand but it's a it is um when you're filmmaking it, it, and you don't know the equipment it adds a wrench in the works that you cannot believe i mean the, the and and when you the thing about the crabtree property and our first and I'm, i'll probably always go back to this talk about this but no one had shot at the crabtree property since charles pierce mm. and we didn't know if neil was going to let us stay there or if neil after an hour was going to be like get off the property so we felt this pressure to get filming and film as much as we could while we could. Um, we, I mean, we had Brian Impey out there. And at one point, I got in the back of Brian's truck and I was standing with a gimbal. And Zach had to stand behind me and push me forward against the car so I wouldn't, like, fall backwards. I got my, like, legs spread out. My feet are, like, firmly planted in the bed of the truck. But I'm holding a gimbal and, like, leaning forward. And I just told Brian to fly towards the tree <laughs> in his truck so like brian just tears down this you know the the uh levee there towards this tree and i'm out there filming i'm like this had to be what it felt like like if you were pierce mm-hmm. you know you're back there you're you have no clue none of us had a clue what we were doing but we were doing the best we can with what we have at that time and that that is what appeals to me about filmmaking it's not it's not the idea i don't i, I don't have an interest anymore in just um, I guess like in getting just in getting on TV. So like I don't want to necessarily just be the guy that's out making a TV show. I want to be able to do it the way I, yeah. <laughs> I like to do it and shoot it the way I like to shoot it. And, and part of the fun for me is this these challenges and the frustration and like I mean we were extremely frustrated. You were around. There were times where where I was sweating bullets and throwing my fist in the air and mm-hmm. in, in a non Taylor Swift uh, way. And, <laughs> and there were, there was a lot of um, frustration and pressure on us. And then at the end of it, um, again, like Zach made this comment, it was like being at summer camp. Like he, he didn't have, it didn't seem like he was having a lot of fun when it was going on. Um, but when it's over, he, he missed it. Yeah. He was going to miss it. Yeah. And for him, it, and, and, and I know I talked to Aaron, um, he came over on Tuesday and we edited some stuff and he told me um, the day, the next day he could barely get out of bed. Like the first, his first day going back to work because he didn't, he missed having that creative drive, like Mm -hmm. waking up and knowing, Hey, we got to go shoot this. In fact, like the day we, the the first day we were back um, of work day, it was a Monday. uh, I, 
Aaron sent a, a, a text message in a group conversation and said, uh, meet at the Monster Mart 1030. Because <laughs> that was like every yeah. day that seemed to be our rallying cry was like, Monster Mart 1030, yeah. see you guys there. And then proceed to work our butts off yeah. for 14 hours. So it's, it was, it is weird to turn around and come home and all of a sudden you're back to your, you know, your regular life and you're not, you're not concerned about being bit by a cotton mouth right. snake in the middle of the yeah. road or an alligator pulling you into the swamp, but you kind of miss that stuff in a weird yeah. way. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, we even had that same sensation and we were mm. there for less time, but you know, both Andy and I independently on the way back home and even being back home, um, just missed that experience. Because it yeah. just, you know, there's sort of that fellowship that builds up around the that pursuit. It was really cool. It is. It's fellowship is a good word for it. You you uh, you you really become brothers with these guys, and that sounds so silly because we're making a documentary about Bigfoot. But in in six days, you're down there. The the you're working together, and you're you're getting angry. It, like the crazy thing for me was no one on our crew ever got to the point where they were so furious at someone else on the crew that we weren't speaking. It was, I mean, obviously the, you're going to have frustrating mm-hmm. times where you say, you know, like you, you run your mouth about something, but my crew was insane. Like every, every guy that was down there that was, you know, like it, you, Andy, Aaron, Brandon, Zach, Jason, if, if, if any one guy falls, falls through or doesn't come down, I, I don't know where we'd have been at. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach and Aaron, um, f- for me, were were huge pieces of the puzzle because Aaron had never made a movie before, and he ended up being the guy that got all our equipment working that we didn't know how to use. I mean, without him, we wouldn't have had that gimbal, and that gimbal is used constantly in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Zach just... Zach took ownership of this in a way that I didn't expect that I loved, mm-hmm. and, and I want, that's why I asked Zach to do this movie yeah. is because he has a very dark sensibility that I don't have. My sensibilities run. I'm, I love Walt Disney. Yeah. <laughs> like Zach loves, uh, you know, Italian horror films mm-hmm. that I can't even look at cause they gross me out so much. I mean, his, his sensibilities just run much darker than mine. And I wanted his, his eye for that sort of, you know, that just his imagery and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, by the last day when he was shooting the Cersei house with the FS5, I was like, this is why I brought him on. He shot a, I don't know if you were with us when we, we were reviewing footage from the Cersei house, but there's a clip of a statue that he found outside the Cersei house and there's ants crawling yes. over it. Yes. Did you see that? We saw that. Beautiful. At first it's, you think uh, it's a still, you yeah. know, and then all of a sudden the ants start coming up and down. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's... Uh, Without, but with with any one person on this crew gone, I just don't. I don't think there's a movie, and that's the first time I I think I could say that because on obviously with Whitehall I'd say that because it was just Brandon and I. <laughs> yeah. So if one person had fallen through, there was literally no movie. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it's like if if any one guy wasn't there, I don't know where we would have been at. Um, there would have been so so many things lacking. You know, Aaron was unbelievable in editing BTS and just helping out all of mm-hmm. that. So, but um, <clears throat> we probably do need to wrap up. I, I don't want to. I hope our listeners kind of enjoyed this as a because while this is small town monsters, and I know we have listeners who get annoyed when we talk about small town monsters on the show because it's not the small town monster show. Um, I don't know. At this point, you're just going to have to realize Mark and I 
are both I mean honestly at this point we're both actively involved in small town monsters small town monsters is my life so um it's probably going to come up on the show pretty often yeah so it's just a fact at this point <laughs> so and and Mark was down there so it was technically a Sasquatch slash small town mm-hmm. monsters tri- yeah. trip and we uh, both you know at numerous times we looked at each other and said we should record but understanding yeah. the way that the shoot schedule was it just there wasn't the opportunity to do it so this is that opportunity right now yeah yeah and i wish we could have because it probably would have been uh a kind of a unique perspective on it but but at the same time yeah there there really wasn't anytime anytime there was downtime i just tried to relax like with the last night is the perfect example like we wrapped in falcon Mm -hmm. i was like let's just go out to eat and chill for like two hours before we start the insane 20 hour drive back home mm-hmm. tomorrow. Yeah. So, um, we, but yeah, it was, it, it was awesome being down there with you and you guys coming down. Uh, that was a highlight of the trip for me, honestly. Awesome. And, 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 and being honest with you, I was worried about you guys coming down and being bored. That was my biggest concern is like, I'm afraid they're going to get down there and I'm going to be too busy to, to like talk to them. And then, and then there's going to, they might get bored cause there's, but but it ended up. I just felt like at the end of the trip, I didn't have to entertain you guys. Andy's always doing something, yeah. And and you guys were always having fun. Like every time I looked at you guys, <laughs> I could tell you guys were just living it up. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, no doubt. And that makes it that makes it easy for everyone. And and just Andy being being a kid and having a kid involved and thinking about what that would have been like for me as a kid, kind of cemented the fact that it was kind of fated to be that he would be there mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh, because it was it was it's a natural thing to have the next generation involved in this kind of thing so this might end up being the last small town monsters movie you never know and if it is the experience on this the filming of this was kind of made the whole thing every other movie that came before it worth it yeah for me. and he'll um no matter what else he thinks about the topic as he gets older and stuff I would be willing to wager that he'll be behind a camera himself at some point in the I future. Hope. There's no doubt in my mind. He's yeah, already talking about it. He's talking about it on the way home. So, <laughs> All right. Um, anything else in closing? Oh, wow. Well, it was the culmination for me of like a journey that started. As you, you mentioned the essay that I wrote, and I don't mm-hmm. – people have read it or heard me talk about it. I don't want to bore them to death, but I, I – um, read about the movie the legend of boggy creek long before i got to see it and so in a way just the search for the movie was a a white whale type search for me and then i finally got to see it and saw it enough that i've got large chunks of that movie memorized at this point Mm -hmm. to actually be there on the ground uh walking where these things happened and going into the monster mart and uh you know, being involved in this this enterprise with friends um, was a trip of a lifetime. Enough said. <laughs> Drop the mic. Yeah, there you go. We'll be back uh, next week. I promise. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I promise. I maybe. promise. Maybe. Join the conversation at facebook.com slash sasswhat. Find us on Twitter by using the hashtag sasswhat, or you can find me on Twitter at SethBreedsLove. Mark Matsky is on Twitter at Reverend Matsky. Send your letters to sasswhatmail at gmail.com and leave us a rating and review on iTunes.